Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Founder Pack Podcast, where your host, Brendan Rod, brings startup stories from experienced founders and other functional experts to help current and future founders get inspired and grow their knowledge with quick tactical insights. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hey, Yael, welcome to the show. Hey, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Likewise, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited about the topic and the research that we're going to uncover today. Perhaps before we dive in, I won't give any spoilers. I'll let you take the floor, but do you want to share a little bit about your background and what you're going to share with us today? Yeah, so I am startup and co-founder psychologist. I established my own business six years ago based on a non-quality-based, interview-based research. I interviewed more than 400, 450 already founders, representing startups in different uh, stages in the life cycle, the business life cycle. I'm uh, today working with a portfolio of 10 startups each time, helping the startup to scale up. Focusing on the underlying psychological aspect of building a startup and being a co-founder. And I really appreciate that you invited me and I'm thrilled to talk about it because co-founder relationship is not something that easy to talk about. And not many founders uh, feel comfortable sharing their pain issues Although they are so normal, every other relationship we have in life. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. And even more excited that you're the first woman to join my show. There's another cause for celebration. Uh, (laughs) uh, We talked about offline, your research, you covered three key themes. Do you want to kind of run through each of those themes one by one? Yeah, sure. Maybe I will start me my, with my personal journey that brought me into this research. So six years ago, I left a big company and enterprise where I had a very fulfilling job. I was owning the global leadership development in this corporate. And I decided to leave because my entrepreneurial noises inside me were shouting and asking me like every other entrepreneur to go out and trying to to do something different. I think you told me you heard a song on the radio. I heard a song that was talking about how you can really bring yourself, your signature, you know, your uh, symbolic signature to the world and how you can really be in a place that you feel it's accurate for you. Although I left position and money, and I remember my parents telling me, why are you doing it? You are in such an amazing uh, job and company. And um, so I left. And at the beginning, I didn't know what to do with the time. 24 hours a day, suddenly there were so many hours. And I've decided that I want to do some more deep dive into the startup world. So I did a 180 
degree shift from corporate to startups. And people told me, you know nothing about startup because you came from corporate. So don't imagine that you will be able to help. So I said, okay, so I will do my market research like every entrepreneur. And I had three key questions that I asked more than 450 people, founders, all over, not only in Israel. And I was amazed how much easy it was to talk with people and interview them. And it was a very structured, quality-based interview. And I asked, A, how you define the co-founder relationship as a factor for success to the startup. I divided the startup into stages based on the regular business life cycle. We see, see it based on the rank rank. And I really try to understand in each phase what characterized each phase and relates to co-founder relationship, what are the key issues that startups at the end succeed or fail uh, because of the partnership. Uh, and how founders can build a long, trustworthy, and healthy communication and relationship. So this was the first thing. And the second was really what happened to the founder and mainly to the CEO uh, in the journey of scaling a startup from psychological point of view. What are the psychological attributes that can really help and bring to success? And the way I measure success was by number of rounds, amount of money was raised, whether it was go through IPO or exit, the size of the company. So it was several parameters that defined success. And the second thing was the psychological parameters and the continuum that across the stages of the scale. And the last question I asked was about this, the startup as an entity and the psychological system phases that the startup uh, goes through as it's scaling. And I identified what are the key growing pain that each phase has. And I was able to really define what founders need to do in order to overcome those growing pain. So these were all the three themes underlying Hidden, I spent lots of time going to conferences and meetup, listen to podcasts, uh, joining, you know, and most of the talking was about the go-to-market strategy, the product roadmap, how to pitch, how to raise money. It was all about the very cognitive doing piece, doing elements of the startup and how to grow a startup and very minimal on the mental health, the emotional struggle, and the resiliency that the founder needs to build throughout this journey. And I remember even uh, interviewing uh, VCs, and they told me that if someone of their portfolio CEO will need someone like me, it means that he or she are not strong enough or not suitable to this position. Happily, I think that the ecosystem is really changing and more and more uh, VCs and the uh, accelerator and founders are proactively asking to get my support or other experts. Sometimes they come because they are already in crisis. And then we need to do a very massive work treating or solving the problem. And most of them happily are asking to work, you know, as a vitamin 
throughout the journey because they understand and they have the self-awareness that things will come, changes will occur, and struggle will uh, are part of life. And they just want to keep their relationship or their own self-capacity and mental health and and leadership, uh, strength, and resiliency in the right place. I did, I'm still working on my research. It will become my PhD at the end, but I was able to validate all the frameworks and all the outcome with the work I'm doing with my in my clinic, with my uh, practical work with the founders and the startups. That's really fascinating, and you built it up really nicely for unpacking in more details each of those themes. Before we get into that, I was just curious, like, when did you see the shift in openness to talk about this as less of a taboo topic or less intimidating for people to come forward and VCs understanding how much it can make or break a company? I'm just curious when you started to see yeah, that shift. Yeah, so I, I... There is a difference between Israel, where I'm located, and other countries. I can say that in the U.S. it was more common even before. In some places, they, the title was the whisperer to the CEO. So it was interesting, this. And then it was more, so more emerging expert, and this is talking about it in, in Europe. And I think that in the last two years in Israel, more and more coaches that went through coaching practice, less psychologists and, and couple therapists. So as part of my willing to be an expert in this field, I studies group analysis and couple therapy because I see the similarity between how couples are managed, happy, long-time relationship to partnerships in the business. But I take all this knowledge and translate it into the business, into the startup life. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to hold up this conversation any longer. Uh, can you please unpack for us those three themes? Uh, I would love to hear all the outcomes and what you took out of that research and what you found. Yeah. So I think that uh, before I uh, go into what's happened in the journey of partnering and building together a startup, which is a very difficult process. And it's not as sexy as it's shown on the LinkedIn and, and in all the pitch event that everyone comes and it feels like we, we do it with only pleasure and happiness. It required a lot of strength and resilience and ability to solve many problems and to face struggle. And I think that my first area was around that people and founders don't really choose their partner from the beginning in a very holistic, very in-depth process. So most of the founders that I interviewed, they decided to match themselves to someone to partner with one or two or three founders because they had a good experience from the past with them in the service or from the university or friends from school. And they thought that if we were great friends and we were really a good match back there, we will be able to succeed in the future. Or people that went to speed dating that were very focused to find partner, I realized that they were really trying to match their professional skills. And they rarely talked about why you're doing it, what is the motivation to discuss about the core value. 
and the personality behind the person, whether it can, he, he or she can be a CEO or CTO, etc. And today I'm really teaching and talking about how to find your partner based on much more broad question and criteria so you can really understand who is the person that you're going to work with because it's very intensive journey. So question, trying to understand how people manage conflict, how they fight, how they manage in uncertainty, what really lead them in life, what is super important for them. So this is one area. And, and still people, until today, they are very much focused on their uh, professional matching, how they complement each other from that. The second area that I've learned is that the founder agreement which is very much legal, can be much more than just legal. You can add so many other elements into the founder agreement that can create a base and infrastructure for you, the way you are going to work together. So it won't be only about how you split money and what is the equity that each will receive. And by the way, I have saw that the way that the founder divide between them the equity usually will behave afterwards. So if, for example, the person that invent, developed, brought the idea of what the startup will focus on and feel privileged to get more equity than the other, you will see it happening in his or her behavior in daily life. This feeling of entitlement that I because I have more money or I have more percent, I deserve to make more decisions or to do so all kinds of things. And I think that there might be specific situation where you need to not to divide it equally, but in most of the time, if you divide the equity equally, it's a foundation for a much more equal relationship afterwards in the daily life. So the founder agreement, shouldn't only include the legal, uh, the equity kind of money and what's happening if someone leaves. It should include area that you discuss and you decide together on how you're going to manage together beyond who is going to be CEO, CTO, and CPO, okay? Beyond the title, to align on expectation, to really decide how you're going to decide. Such an elementary element. How to decide? Who is deciding? Who is the decider? And, and then after understanding how to match and how to build good founder agreement, I my aha moments was around what are the issues that founder fights around? What are the typical? And I was interviewed in other places and they asked me, is it about the strategy? Is it about the money? Is it about who to hire? And this is a spoiler, but usually the content is just the, just the hunger that we put the conflict on it. Usually the conflict or the fight are much more deep. It's about power. It's about who makes the decision. It's about who wants to be right. And then we put it on strategy, direction, decision, the product roadmap. 
So what you will see on the surface will be founder disagreeing about the vision of the company or how to manage the budget or who is doing what, you know, the roles and responsibility. But underneath these topics, they are much more in the hidden area. And I will explain. The majority of the issues around co-founder are on decision-making. Who is making the decision and how we are making the decision? And if we take, for example, the product roadmap, which is something that should bridge between the sale to the R&D and really build the roadmap for the company to grow and bring a good product to the market, I see founders that are not able to decide if it's based on what the CEO say, if it's based on what the CPO find out. So they start to fight with each other and the outcome is that they decide not to decide. And then it's killing the company. So lack of a good method to make decision and without will be at the end a company without decision and it will be lack of focus and it can kill. And by the way, 65% of startups fail because of poor co-founder relationship. You will see it because they are not able to raise money. But if you dig and peel the onion, the, the source of it is co-founder relationship. So the first area is around decision-making. And I'm helping, for example, my portfolio to define upfront how to decide and if we can apply veto in some decisions. What are the topics that we must decide together as founders? And what are the topics that each of us can make a decision in his her own area of responsibility? Okay, so this is a solution to this issue that I see in many companies. So like clearly defining everyone's role before you even raise your first round or even the day you get together yes. after that, everyone needs to have clear expectations of what their role is. And who is the final decider? If we have conflicts, how we resolve? If we have disagreement, who is the final decider? Is it not Maybe the you, CEO? You believe me or not, there are places where... If someone is the CTO, so they will um, think that he should make decision on a specific area and they are not aligned, decisions are not being made and they fight about who, who can and who should make the decision. So decide on that front and if you get into a, a challenge, bring someone that can help you to define it. Because what I've learned that it starts small and then it grows. And it reminds um, me, sorry to interrupt you last point, it just reminds me of this saying, if everybody owns it, nobody owns it. Yes. Yes. And this led me to the second most difficult or painful topic in startup. And I call it the separation of hierarchy. So at the beginning, two or three or four co-founders start the journey. They split, they decide who is doing what, they have a nice title and the company grow and they raise money. And suddenly the title or the responsibility that each of them taking on themselves 
mainly the CEO, starting to be part of the organizational hierarchy. So suddenly there is a CEO and the other co-founder reports to him. And it's not easy to understand that the partnership can coexist with the level of hierarchy and the fact that one of the founders, named the CEO, actually manage the entire company, including them. And this is not an easy uh, area for the co-founder that are not the CEO to be at. So they say, but we are a founder. We deserve the same. Or we are eligible to make all the decisions. Or we resist to the leadership of the CEO. And I cannot explain to you how many founders find this difficult and how many of them struggle. And then you will see lots of issues around trust and around envy. And the dynamic can become more and more toxic because the understanding that the equal partnership need to coexist to the organizational hierarchy because at the end, startup must operate as a organization with someone leading it and having an inter- integrative view and being able to make fast decisions and run the company with the right speed and agility toward the, achieving the business results. So this is the second area where uh, most of the conflicts focus. The next one would be around personality conflict. So you work together and suddenly something happens. People change. Our uh, life is changing. Suddenly someone gets married or bring kids. And we have different values and we have different expectations than we had at the beginning. And the ability to understand that we are different and we have different opinions and we have different perspectives and we have different needs and not to judge each other is important. I have seen, I'm working with brothers and sisters that they are also co-founders. So you will see the personality matching much more difficult in this kind of startup, family-based uh, startup, because the startup life are very much involved with the, with the family uh, life, and they find it difficult to distinguish. But I see founders saying, hey, he or she, they change so much. I don't know them. Suddenly we are not in line. We don't have the same set of value. We don't want the same thing. And it can be around whether we go into IPO or we want to save the company. And it can be around, I have kids and now I want to share my life and split between work and life. And my partner, my co-founder doesn't understand me. And I think that the most important area, like all other strategies in the startup, like the product strategy and the go-to-market and having a good customer solution plan, all founders need the space to manage the relationship. The relationship strategy is as important as any other business-oriented element. And what I do or what I recommend is really to have an hour or whatever you decide, a weekly meeting where you discuss about you discuss on your relationship, what's happened to us, how we treat each other, how we behave, give me a feedback, 
Were we aligned? Did we meet each other's expectation? We won't have the elephants growing and growing and growing under the table, and then it will be very difficult to manage the dynamic. Would you say that it is a common statistic that founders sometimes just do grow apart and there's nothing you can do to fix it? Or would you say in most cases, if you have open communication, there's a much higher chance of fixing it? I think that the conflicts, disagreement will happen all the time. The differentiator between successful founder or thriving founders to struggling founder will be how they manage the conflict and how they repair from the conflict. So the, many years ago, there was a research on married couple and they were video on how they manage conflicts, how they fight it. And there was a definition between good fight to bad fight. And I'm using this also in uh, with co-founder, and it can be three or four co-founder. It shouldn't be only two, only couple. Good fight is a fight that you respect the different perspective. You understand that people come from different places, different background. You appreciate the fact that we are different. Because the difference, the diversity can bring to something even better. So good fight would be, we'll end with, let's try to find the best solution for the company. It's easy because when we are in a fight or in a disagreement, immediately, you know, we are ready to win. We want to win. And a good fight is the one that ends with what is a winning solution for the company and not to each of us. Now, bad fight would be personal, would be attack or avoid, would be insulting each other, and it will be much more painful and it's, it will be much more difficult to re repair for it. Now, think about co-founder that again and again going into a bad fight, at the end, it's like a skull, and every time they touch the skull, it's become more and more painful. Even if the conflict is normal and typical and it's legit, right, to have conflict and disagreement. So the differentiator is how they manage and conduct conflicts and how they repair from it. Because if they are going through bad fight, we will lose trust with each other. And there are some factors that can contribute to it. For example, when the CEO, usually the CEO, move abroad, okay? The distance relationship impact. So we cannot talk with each other like we used in the past. We cannot eat lunch together. There is the time distance. And suddenly we are not so aligned and we do not have each other. And it's really uh, causing can cause a broken communication that can lead to stuff. Now, if you have a routine where you talk each week on what's going on with us, how we feel with each other, how are we aligned? What is our focus? What do we need to do? What do we need from each other? It will grow and grow and grow. I have a quick question to lightly deviate 
for a second, but do you think this open communication can work outside of founder to founder relationships like manager to employee? Or do you think it's too, it's too close, like manager employee versus founder to founder, like founder to founder, you have a lot more in investment together. So you're much more willing to speak your mind and be open, but like a manager to an employee would this open communication work or would you have to tailor it slightly the approach? Cause I feel like there are some similarities where manager to employee relationships fall yeah. apart because of this lack of communication or the right tools. I think it's a good question because first, what I have seen is that if the co-founder has an open and trustworthy communication, it will be demonstrated in the startup culture. So you will see this cascading to all relationship in the company, manager, 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 employee, CEO, employee. So if the door is open and if we act with transparency also on our emotion and how we work together and what we expect with each other. And when we are disappointed, we are facing disappointment or disappointed. And when we are enjoying. So if this is happening among the founder, it will demonstrate that. And I believe that, yes, openness and transparency is foundation, okay, for flow of information, alignment, improvement of performance, delivering feedback. I think that Caleb Company is a company that really growing people, and you can grow people based on a healthy relationship. I don't know if there is a correlation between the openness and transparency of Israeli startups and the culture with mm -hmm. the fact that they are like, I think the second most startups in the world in Israel. I think San Francisco is number one and Israel is number two. So I don't know if there's a correlation between that culture and the amount of startups that, that are around. But yes, to your point, it doesn't take into account the success factor? You know, when we are in a survival mode and the startup life bring to us many situations where we feel in a survival mode, not only if the money is about to run out, but also emotionally, what we need to do, the up and down. Uh, no doubt that becoming a founder or the CEO of a company is a very demanding journey. And statistics show that founders tend to suffer from depression and anxiety much more, even multiple seven, because they live in a, such a stressful situation. And even several years, it's not a very short situation. And I think that taking care of these elements is super important, not only for the success of the startup, but for the well-being of the founder. Because if the dynamic is becoming toxic and if the relationship are starting to, to crack, it's really, it's taking the joy out of the process. And it's contingent. It's contingent to the entire company. I'm loving the 
I'm loving all the insights you're bringing. You mentioned, so you mentioned like CEOs moving abroad. I think you also spoke about dealing with money as some of the other contributing factors within the unhealthy relationship dynamic. I think that, again, I'm not trying to frighten anyone or to say it's going to happen to everyone. All I'm saying is that I'm trying to increase self-awareness and relational awareness that this is the anchor for success, the founder relationship and how they work together to grow the company. And I think that in today's situation in the market, where it's more difficult to raise money, uh, rounds take more time. Uh, some startup needs to ask people to leave because they need to in increase the runway. They face uh, some difficult questions around money. And I see this and I see my founder. Sometimes it's like married couple that... They are in a recession and they need to keep the family budget uh, positive. Now, when you have founder with different perspective on money, and by the way, we are taking our belief and attitude and perception on money from our parents. The way our parents treated money and managed money is transferred to us. So if... I grew in a family where my parents told me that money is dirty and money will always cause fights and money separates people. So I, this is the baggage, you know, I'm coming with these beliefs to the startup. And if my co-founder live in a different family and they have different perspective on money, this is the unconscious. Okay, I'm not talking on the conscious discussion on the unconscious. So suddenly they need to make very tough decisions and how they make that coming from different perspectives on the money. They need on one hand to maintain what they have, but on the other hand, they cannot lose momentum. So how much people we will fire and how much budget we will put on marketing. Again, this is the hunger on where we, they hang their conflicts, but at the end, it's about different way they think about money. And I see this a lot in this day. But if people can talk about why I feel that this is what is the right solution, if the founder can really understand why they are doing what they are doing, why they are seeking to this solution, if they will apply self-awareness, they can talk about what's important for them and not to discuss or to conflict on the amount of money. So if we take it one level down and we create a much more honest and genuine conversation, it can help us to make a better decision for the company at the end. Does it not help when the investors get involved around money-making decisions that can separate the emotions and help make it more of a task versus an emotional one? I think that it's increasing the stress. And the big brother is asking us, and let's take a, a concrete example. The board is trying to reduce 30% of the headcount. Okay, now how we do it? How we decide from where we are reducing headcount? Is it from all the departments? 
how we make this decision and how we manage it, okay? If founders come with completely different state of mind on what money means and how we manage it, and if one of them is really a great saver of money and the other is very easy for him to spend, so now we have conflicts of much more in deepen perspective than only the 30% of the headcount that we need to fire. And it's impacting the decision-making process. And it will take much longer and it will become bad fight. This is what I'm trying to say. And sometimes, and I had several occasions where I needed to help the founder to divorce because it was for the sake of the company, for the sake of the startup to continue living one of them needed, or she or he needed to leave. So it's not easy, but sometimes this is the solution that you see that it's not working between us. We are not enjoying it and we are not doing good for the startup. So we need to decide how to separate. So I think this is a good segue where you touch on how to go about choosing your partner, managing conflicts, building supporting infrastructures and like you just said now how to separate if there's no other options so would you mind walking us through some of your counseling tools on how to go about maintaining building and maintaining those healthy relationships as like a wrap-up to the episode i think that i am able to do it if there is the awareness and the willingness to work on it okay so the founder needs to invite me they need to have this willingness to open up and they understand that it's important. And this is the acknowledgement is the first. Even if it's just acknowledging that we are here together in that and we need to keep this healthy and in a good place, so let's work on it. As I mentioned, sometimes it's a vitamin and sometimes it's an antibiotic when crisis starts. And I think that in most places, the tools are to show them that it's normal. To, to, and my frameworks articulate very nicely, you know, the typical fights in each stage or the obstacle or the challenges. So they feel normal. They feel that it's legitimate to have this. So immediately they don't feel that they are unique or they are different or it's only happened to them. It's really a relief. Okay. Secondly, I can give example of how others are embedding infrastructure that can help to decrease the fire or can decrease, increase the alignment or can help how to improve the situation. So knowing how, what is the benchmark also helps. It helps because, not because you will do what the other, but it helps because it gives you a broader perspective. Okay. Third is to have a safe space where you can talk about stuff. They cannot do it with their HR. They cannot do it with their board. They need a safe space where they can talk with each other. And sometimes they need a moderator or facilitator to bridge, to help them to understand themselves better and each other. Okay. Sometimes reframing really helps understanding that the success of the startup, this is the main goal, okay? So let's try and focus what our startup needs. 
this is really eliminating some of the forces and the tension. So I'm there to show what is the, the North Star. Because I understand the business well, I can help them to facilitate content-based discussion with some technique to bridge gaps, to manage the conflicts, to peel the onion, and on one hand to give 100% legit to the emotion, but at the same time to come back to the data, come back to the source of what the customer needs and bring them there. And sometimes I cannot. As I said, sometimes the gap is too big and there is a huge trust issue. And I will tell them, listen, if we are not able to fix or to change or to work on it, I think that the best solution is to bring someone else instead of you, of one of you, to split, to separate, to divorce. Sometimes this is important. And perhaps to close out for real, and maybe it's not the happy ending we were hoping for, but what is the method or what is the most painless way that you found separating founders or uh, have experienced with founders separating from each other? What does that look like and how does one kick that off? My advice would be, first, let's talk, it, let's talk about it between us before the board intervenes. Okay, and once the investor intervening and trying to solve the problem, let's try to do it before in a safe space, acknowledging this, the contribution and what we achieved so far, acknowledging the strength and the, the amazing stuff we were able to do up to this point. Okay, we raised money together, we built a product together to have the appreciation and not only the disappointment or the anger or the fear or the pain, okay? And then to really think what would be the best for the startup, how we can keep the startup alive. Because if we kill the startup, we all lose, right? But if we keep the startup alive and can continue growing, at least we are keeping what we invested so far in a good place. We are not killing it. And it will include, you know, understanding the expectation and the needs and the requirements of each of the people involved and bringing them together and bridging the gaps where the compass is always what is the best for the startup to continue growing. Let's do it as a mature people with respect. And I want to tell you that I'm working and I've worked with so many founder teams that did amazing job and succeeding and they are overcoming. And by the way, I can tell you that statistics show that founders from the age of 40 and above are much more resilient and mature because they have the experience of organizational politics. And they more, have more savvy on how to handle this situation. So this was uh, interesting for me to read because up to that point, I thought that startups are only for the young people, but it's not the case. And there are now more and more VCs that are investing in 
you know, founders that are uh, a bit more golden. So there's an opportunity for younger founders to learn relationship building exercises and maybe wor workshopping these skills that are needed yep. for organizational savviness and navigating complexities, navigating the uncertainty in the market. There are so many skills that you can def definitely learn and practice. Relational capacity, by the way, we are building this capacity inside us in our family home with our parents and brother and sister. So this is the first system, the first organization that we have the authority and we have our competitor, the sibling, my, my brother and sister. And what is the role that I'm taking in front of the authority and how I build a relationship. And from psychological point of view, this is the place where I establish my relational capacity, how to be in a conflict, how to be in competition, how to gain the authority, my mother and father, love and proudness. And in many cases, we are taking this with us and we are projecting it and duplicating it in other uh, places with our, uh, you know, significant partner or spouse at home, in organization. So understanding who you are in a relationship, what happened to you, how you manage healthy relationship is important to everyone. And mainly in places where such an intense business are required to work so closely in such a stressful situation. And in stress, usually, as I mentioned, we are in a survival mode. So we will be in a fight or flight. Building on your relational capacity and improving it can help you to manage this situation in a much more mature and aware and respectful manner. I really want to thank you so much. I learned so much from you today in this episode. Is there anything you want to end off with? Anything we didn't cover to close out the show today? You know, I appreciate and hope that people that will listen to it will find it important and they will take the phone and call their uh, co-founder or business partner and say, hey, come, let's talk. Let's see what's working well, what we have achieved together what made us so great together, and where we need to improve. What do you need from me? What do I need from you? How we can make it better? And I really like that it's such a simple couple of questions. It's not rocket science to ask those two, three mm -hmm. questions. So it's just about having the right tools, like you said, makes a huge difference. So thank you again for sharing your knowledge with us and your research, of course. And uh, I look forward to bringing you back on in the future to see how your PhD went and <laughs> if there are further papers being published by you, would love to bring you back on again. Amazing. Thank you so much, Brenda. Bye, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Founder Pack Podcast with Brendan Roth part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share the channel and itsbmagazine.com 
with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.